0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Jimmy Johnson Jen. I'm back on my podcast, Vitamin Sports, where you take vitamins every day, just like we talk about sports every day. Hmm. I'm going to go a little around the world today, but I'm going to start with the Ravens. I know last week I said this will be the last time I'll talk about the Ravens, but something has just dawned on me. You know, I hear a lot of people talk bad about the Ravens. I hear a lot of people talk good about the Ravens. And I just want you to know there's a difference. When the Ravens lose games, the first thing everybody do is blame. John Harbaugh, the coordinators, and the defensive side. And sometimes the running backs and the receivers. But the one person I don't hear no blame to, and this is probably the first time I've heard it, Is Lamar Jackson. See, there's a difference between Lamar Jackson fans and Ravens fans. See, Ravens fans gonna look at the game, the whole game. Lamar Jackson fans gonna look at what Lamar does and what Lamar, you know, could have did, or all the flaws and all the stuff that he did do. And then when you criticize Lamar Jackson, everybody of Lamar Jackson fans run down your throat saying, yo. How can you say Lamar Jackson this is that? Do you know why a lot of old school Ravens fans always bring up the Ray Lewis era of the Baltimore Ravens? Because it didn't matter who the quarterback was. The quarterback just had to do just enough. The offense had to do just enough and the defense would take care of itself. In that AFC Championship game, Lamar Jackson was shook from the time they blew the whistle to the game start to the time they blew the whistle to the game was over. Yeah, we could talk about the officiation, but we also could talk about the lack of communication of the quarterback. If y'all paid attention in the Super Bowl, when Kansas City was down, Patrick Mahomes Walk up and down the sidelines saying, it's okay, it's going to be all right. It's okay, it's going to be all right. That's a leader that reassures everything is going to be all right. Every time the Ravens are down, I always see Lamar Jackson go into his corner, and I see the quarterback coach just sitting right there, showing him the plays. When he threw the interception to Isaiah Likely, he went to go look at the monitor and saw that it was passing the fence. But as a quarterback, why would you put the ball in harm's way anyway? But the Ravens fans won't talk about that. I mean, Lamar Jackson fans won't talk about that. See, I I was a Lamar Jackson fan and a Ravens fan. I always led with hope that Lamar Jackson can be better each and every season. But ever since 2019, my hope started to dwindle. It really did. And it took a lot for me to realize I'm a Ravens fan. Now I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. And people say I criticize Lamar Jackson so harshly and say certain things like Joe Flacco was better than Lamar Jackson. We knew who Joe Flacco was in the regular season. But what made him a household name is what he did in the postseason. He beat the best of the best. Still to this day, No other quarterback can do what Joe Flacco has done in the postseason. It's just like, hey. They were like, well, Patch Patch Mahomes has never done it. There's only a few quarterbacks that have done it. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Joe Flacco, and Nick Foles. Two of those guys are not elite. Two of those guys is Hall of Fame, But, you know, that's just a little Ravens inside right there. But I looked at a lot of the old Ravens highlights. Leadership, determination, and hunger. I haven't seen leadership, determination, and hunger since those guys left. Since those guys left. It's like individual play. It's, It's not the Ravens' way. The Ravens' way is play good defense run the football, and kick field goals. So far, we've only done two of those things. Play good defense and kick the football. There's no way we don't run the football in the playoffs. That is why you have a running back. That's football one-on-one. But there's a difference between Lamar Jackson fans and Ravens fans. See, Ravens fans are going to support their team through and through. Support that team when they was five and eleven. Support that team when they was four and twelve. Support their team through and through. See, Ravens fans like Lamar Jackson fans are gonna always talk about what Lamar Jackson needs. Well what about what the Ravens need? See Lamar Jackson keeps talking about this not the trophy we want. I don't know that. You are individual. You want individual glory. You don't want teen glory. Because if you wanted teen glory, you would have done more for the Ravens. You would have left some money on the table. You wouldn't have took the full smite of everything. But at the same time, it is what it is. And the fact that you... Like a real leader would have realized, there's a lot of other guys coming before me, I me mean after me. If I want to keep, you know, trying to get to the championship game, I got to leave something on the table. But this is what I say about black athletes: we get greedy. Granted, we don't come for money. Some, others do. But at the same time, it is a business. But at the same time, if you want to continue winning this league, you have to make sacrifices. See, Shannon Shaw saying, go get your money, go get your money, this, go get your money, that. But look at the guys that leave money on the table. They continues to win. They continue to win. Justin Matabike said the most powerful thing I've heard. I love Baltimore, but business is business. You know what I mean? I would love to play here for the rest of my career. But I'm also about my paper. Then I see pictures of people saying, I ain't eating until the Ravens sign Patrick Queen. Well, brother, you're going to be starving. You're going to be living on smoothies and neutral grain bars. Because Patrick Queen is not re-signing. Why? We don't have no money. We got 13 million dollars left and that's based on next season ain't no money here your quarterback asked for 260 million dollars and ain't been to the AFC championship game until this season your quarterback who asked for wide receivers didn't even use them in crucial moments in the AFC championship game other than zay flowers do you know and and, and a lot of people said jimmy you was in your feelings i was that's why I said, I came back and I refuted some of the stuff I said because I hold myself accountable. I watched the game over. See, sometimes you got to watch it over and over again. Just like when you watch movies, they get the Easter eggs. You got to watch it over and over again. See what you miss. Granted, they called the Tom Tony. That's cool. Should have been called through and through. But that's a, different, uh, that's a different conversation. As a leader, Lamar Jackson, you're supposed to approach Zay Flowers and be like, yo, calm down. It's okay. Calm down. Because what a lot of Lamar Jackson fans don't want to hear is John Harbaugh and the coaching staff told them that this game was going to be called close. That it would not be called in our favor. Even though we have the best record in the league, we have home field advantage, and this is a primetime game. He told them, look, check this out. It's gonna be called close. But did they register that in their head? No. They didn't. They was leading with their feelings. They was making a lot of mistakes. And as a leader, Lamar Jackson, you're supposed to calm everybody down, reassuring that you are that guy. And then you talk about everybody talks about his regular season. This is your t- moment to shine. This is why I tell people he don't read defenses. There's 10 defensive backs running the football. They're going to get tired. They're going to get tired of that. Them defensive backs are going to get tired of getting hit by Gus Edwards, Dalvin Cook, and Justin Justice Hill. Or Lamar Jackson. They're going to get tired of that. So then they're going to load up the box. Then you throw over the top. You made it easy for that defense to get after you. He made it easy see a real leader and everybody talking about well Lamar Jackson can't call audibles yes he can if Peyton Manning, Tom Brady can call audibles and Patrick Mahomes can call audibles if wait a minute, if you're given the keys to the kingdom that means you're allowed to call audibles if if you call if now Excuse me, I'm just so much passion right now is coming out of me. If you are the quarterback of your team, the leader by the position, if you see something different, because the offense coordinator is usually on, the, is up in the booth or is on the, on the sideline. If you see something that you don't like, you're supposed to tell the offense coordinator we're going to cancel that. We're going to keep running the football. We're going to keep running the football. Did you know when Trent Dilfer got the starting quarterback position, he changed the whole entire offense to fit to his liking? We're going to run the football. We're going to give the ball to Shannon Shot. If they double Shannon Shot, we're going to throw it to the outside, to a Stokely. Come on, to other receivers, Ishman. We're going to get the ball to where it need to be, to our big time players. Lamar Jackson, you're slowing down, brother. You're slowing down, and I thought it was because every time you get the ball, you're looking behind you. You need to look at the end zone. I've noticed that too. When he runs the football, he looks around. Are you looking around? Look straight. Your pocket awareness is trash. Your offensive line has been good all year. Ronnie Stanley can't play this foot. Morgan Moses is only good in the run game. He's decent in the pass game, but it's not good enough. You should have known that by now once you get division. J.J. Watt. I mean, not J.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. Miles Garrett. I don't know if I'm missing anybody. I think I'm missing somebody. One more, but yeah, and um, I forgot the Cincinnati Bengals' d line. one. But you're – Tackles, guards have all been tested the entire season. And you still couldn't get it done. That says a lot. That says a lot. And then I'm always hearing people talking about, oh, yeah, you know, Jimmy, um, we can get this, but no, we can't get nobody. And then why would you want a franchise tag Justin Matter BK? That's a slap in the face. I got a all pro. I let defensive tackles. And sacks with thirteen. I need a big bank. Same thing with PQ. Love PQ. But those guys got to go. See, I only named those two guys because those two guys were significant. Gino Stone was good, but we we got Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams. I'm deep. That's a decent second bag. But We got so many flaws that were hidden because our defense was rocking. At the same time, we're going to struggle next year. I mean, we're going to have to rely heavily on our offense. And our offense ain't the type of offense that can, you know, come back from, well, we have a low percentage of coming back in deficit games. But he can come back in games. But I need Lamar Jackson to be a quarterback. And when I say a quarterback, you need to make the throws that need to be made. And then Tom Munkin, there's no way I'm bringing Mark Andrews back. No. Why? We're on fire. Did you know the Kansas City Chiefs didn't bring back uh, um, Kadaris Tony? No, yeah. For what? We're going fire without him. Sometimes you just got to say, hey, it is what it is. They move forward. We was good. It changed the whole offense. Now defense did have some flaws, but but they held the the best player in the league, the quarterback, best quarterback in the league, to zero points in the second half. Defense did that job. We never even got a field goal range for um, Justin Tucker. We got to use Justin Tucker because it was like he getting old overnight. We got to use him. We got to go back to the fundamentals. But for those Ravens fans, that's Lamar fans, y'all need to wake the hell up. Y'all need to beat down Lamar Door and be like, yo, I don't care about no MVP. I want a Super Bowl championship. The city needs it. Everybody talks about, well, you know, no, it ain't no time. He been had time. He's been six years in the league. that's about to go on seven. And he's been to one AFC championship game. So I compare him to Peyton. Because Peyton was getting to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is getting there and not getting it done. But you know, each one teach one, man. And now let's change the conversation. Because I think everybody needs to really pay attention to the Golden State Warriors. I was watching the game of them versus the Utah Jazz this morning. They're coming. They're slowly working their way up. They're slowly finding their niche into where they need to be. They're finding their niche. Steph Curry is doing Steph Curry. Klay Thompson is coming along. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson combined for 51 points. Everybody was balling. They were playing defense. They seemed as though it was like the first round when Steve Curry got dead. They're They're starting to play through everybody. And this is the right time to start heating up because it's getting close to the playoffs. Nobody wanna see Golden State if they a four or five seed. They don't. Cause whoever they matched up with, they already smacked the Phoenix Suns. And and look at the time, the load of talent they got on their team. Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bubba, Nurkic. The Grayson Alley. That's a lot of people over there. But also, what nobody else talking about is how when Doc Rivers got there, they're they're having trouble on the defensive end. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're not looking too good over there. How you going to fire How you going to fire a guy mid season? Y'all thirty, and y'all thirty six and eleven. And sometimes players have too much power. They fire the coach. And they still are okay, team? No, they were good. You're going to struggle. Every team struggles, but the real teams persevere over the struggles. Like the Warriors, they've been struggling all season. They're 26 and 25. But what did they do? They came out and ball. They came out and ball. Draymond Green, 12 points, eight assists, 10 rebounds. Jonathan Kaminga, 14 points. Andrew Wiggins, 17 points. Steph Curry, 25 and 10 and 6. Klay Thompson, 26 points. Their bench. uh, What is that? Uh, Santos gave, oh, Santos, again, three points. Look, 11, 3, 11, 10. Yeah, Golden State Warriors came to play, shooting 48% from the field, 45% from three. Yeah, they came to play. They came to play, and then uh, look look at this. They're putting together some pieces that's gonna make some noise. And I like what Steve Kerr is doing, and I, and I like I don't like the fact that how people are discrediting Steve Kerr for what he's done for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, sometimes he don't go into the the bench, but he does make good moves for the Golden State Warriors by providing. He wants the starting lineup to deliver what they deliver, and then he want maybe two to three guys to come off the bench and put up good points. But I like that lineup that they had. It was serviceable, of course. Duke won, and I also want to talk about the Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney fight. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody watched what happened in Vegas, where they, you know, got into a little scuffle. They did. But do you know what that fight means? That fight means that boxing is kind of trying to move into the right direction. They want People want to see this fight. Because this fight actually has a story behind it. They fought in the amateurs six times. It's tied. It's 3-3. Both of them got three wins. Both of them got three losses. This is the one that counts. This will be a big fight. And I think, like I said before, I think Tank should fight whoever wins out of this fight. Well, if Devin wins in this fight, he should fight Devin. If Ryan wins in this fight, he should fight Shakur. But I know he's going to get a, uh, a 2 up fight. Sorry, really not a 2 up fight because the guy is still skilled enough. But I think it's a fight to prepare who wins out, of who, if Devin wins. Because everybody wants to see Tank and Devin Haney fight. And there was an idea out there for Tank and Devin Haney to fight in uh, Saudi Arabia, which would be a huge, mega fight. Everybody's going home with some money. Everybody. But you know, we'll see if we ever get that fight. We'll see. And then I also want to finish off my podcast with this. You know, I talk about the WNBA a lot on my podcast, and I talk about how, well, WNBA and college women basketball, how it's not really looked at as you know, college basketball for men and the NBA. The reason why a lot of these women athletes in college basketball don't leave school is because they're not, they wouldn't make any, they will be taking a major pay cut. And the WNBA. Now there are a few that make. Decent money. Based on endorsements. But when it comes to the NBA check. It's not really that much money. A, a guy right now from the NBA. On the bench that's making a million dollars. Could buy a WNBA team. Can buy one. Shoot if I had a million dollars. I would buy a WNBA team. Because. Because. A lot of people don't see it as an investment too. That's why a lot of people don't buy it. And then a lot of people don't watch it because it's really not, they don't believe it's entertainment. See, I'm a big basketball fan. See, I'll watch college women's basketball because I find it more interesting than men's basketball. Because college women's basketball, they play fundamentally sound basketball. And college men's basketball, they just hoop. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. See, when you're hooping, you know what hooping is when you play street ball. There's one guy that takes over the ball and keeps shooting about 30 to 50 shots. Don't pass the ball. He's shooting it when it's like 20 people in front of him. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But, you know, I just wish, you know, they can get some money. And it will be up there with a lot of sports if they can get the financial back of some of these networks. Because college and basketball has made a lot of money. That's why a lot of these girls are staying. Their senior year. That extra year. Like Caitlin Clark. Angel Reese. And Paige. And others. That are at the top of their game. Why do you think some of these teams are trading away their first round picks? Not only do they have to pay them. But a lot of the girls are staying in school. So there's no point of picking them up. Like, Aaliyah Boston was at the top of the game. I think she took a pay cut. But, you know, it is what it is. It's for a different topic. And then I also want to talk about, you know, how the NBA draft is, is dwindling. Talent is dwindling. When have you ever seen a guy that could just only shoot being a top five pick? You didn't see that in 1996 or 1997 or 2003. And those are significant drafts because those are guys that had talent. People say Mello was a suit. Nah, Mello can take you out the dribble. Mello had a, a postgame. Mello can shoot. Mello was athletic. LeBron, athletic. Can pass the ball. Shoot a nice mid-range. D-Wade played defense. Dunk. Shoot the jump shot. Those multiple affect Kobe Bryant. Offense and defense. Gray Allen. Offense and defense. Allen Iverson. Offense and defense. And those guys that you look up to that say they're the greatest of the great. Do you know they stayed in college for <clears throat> to their junior year? Some to their senior year? I think Tim Duncan stayed until his senior year. I think the Admiral, David Robinson. Went to college, then went to the military, then played in the league. And he was like, what, 24? Eh. Michael Jordan played three years in college and wanted to stay, but had to leave. Because they wanted him to leave. Shaq played, I think, two years, two to three years. They made him leave. Those guys wanted to develop their game. Those guys wanted to be great. Because the guys that were in front of them were awesomely talented. See, now everybody wants to go to the NBA because of the money. The money. One and done. I could be a top five pick just averaging five points a game. Yeah. You saw what Kyrie did. He played like 11 games. But he was different though. Zion, same thing, was different. BI, different. Tatum, different. But then you got guys like Cam Reddish that should have stayed. But he's a journeyman. See, the talent the talent pool is doing See, I always said that Bronny would never be live up to or well, Bronny wouldn't be a one and done. Because right now Bronny's averaging what, five points? He's not even the best player on his team. But then again, somebody might refuse to say, Well, look at Devin Booker. Devin Booker was averaging more than five points. Bronny's averaging five points. And Devin Booker was coming off the bench averaging more than five points. So, I mean, what are you going to see? There's guys out there that's awesomely talented, but they got to change their game to fit the current game. We don't see too many players playing defense. Well, they do play defense. They play Matador defense. Olay! They let you walk right past them. They ain't the first one down at court. Yeah. they hoopers. They're not basketball players. Because if you were smart, you would play defense and get the steal and then go to the basket. Being a team player, doing everything that needs to be done. That's how I like the way the Golden State Warriors play basketball. It's fundamentally sound. Even though Steph Curry is just awesomely great they still play fundamentally sound basketball but there's a difference between sports fans and sports analysts and the last thing i said in this is one last thing i'm say you know there's a lot of sports podcasters that hate on players and these are sports podcasters that are players that hate on other players like, you saw what Michael Parsons said. Michael Parsons does more talking on the a, a off-air than he does on the field. mean, does he perform on the field? Because when you look at Michael Parsons, yeah, he had 14 sacks this year. But he just wasn't Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons talks about how he gets double-teamed like that. The only reason he gets double-teamed is when they run a football at him. When I looked at the 49ers game, he didn't get double-teamed. When I looked at the Eagles game, he didn't get double-teamed. When he goes up against good tackles, he don't get double-teamed. When he goes up against mediocre tackles, it still he still doesn't get double-teamed. Do you know who gets double-teamed? T.J. Watt. you know who else gets double-teamed? Miles Garrett. Because Miles Garrett moves all over the field. Same thing with T.J. Watt. Same thing with Miles Garrett. I mean um Michael Parsons, but these guys affect the game. These guys are game changers. TJ Watt and Miles Garrett are MVP caliber players because they are game changers. If T J Watt had a performance like his brother, he could win an MVP where he gets interceptions, fumbles, and touchdowns in a receiving game, yeah. He could he can be the first player. In a while to win defensive player yet. Same thing with Miles Garrett. These guys are just effective. These guys have taken over games, and you can see the impact of when they're not on the field. To where's the ML field? When it still have T.J. Watt performing, they have a winning record. When he's not on the field, they have a losing record. And that's all I got to say. I'm your host Jimmy Johnson Jr., and I just gave y'all a mouthful of knowledge. Peace. Hey,